Hello, and welcome back for another Toasted Tale by the Fireside with me, Jim. I'm really happy you've decided to join me today. If, like me, you enjoy hearing stories, then you've come to the right place. I think there are interesting stories to be found in every subject. They're just waiting to be found and shared. In this podcast, we're going to take a random subject and use it as a seed to do some research for one short hour, and in that time, I'll do my best to find a story that both I and you will hopefully find enjoyable. So let's bring in the Wheel of Fortune style spinner and find out what today's subject will be. Okay, so today it's landed on the Fire Service's Exemplary Service Medal. Just for clarity though, I'm not an expert on this medal, nor have I ever met anyone who has been awarded it. I'm just a guy who likes finding interesting stories and learning a thing or two along the way. So with the power of podcast editing and of the fireside, I've already done the one hour's research, and I'm really interested to share with you what I've found. So, the Fire Service's Exemplary Service Medal was created in 1985 to recognise Canadian fire service workers who have completed 20 years of service, 10 of which have been served in the performance of duties involving potential risks. Recognised fire services who are eligible for this medal include the Canadian Fire Departments, Fire Marshals Offices, Fire Commissioner's Offices and the Canadian Forces Fire Services. Exemplary service to achieve this medal is characterised by good conduct, industry and efficiency. Now becoming a fireman and working in that profession is a noble calling and is most heavily relied upon by those people going through some of the most devastating events of their lives. It is a dangerous profession though. Firefighters can suffer on the job. And I want to list off a few of the issues you may expect to face as a firefighter so we can get a better understanding of what they go through to make us safer and save our loved ones when fires strike. Firstly, physical. They can suffer from burns, smoke inhalation, crush injuries, heat exhaustion, lung damage, heart disease and cancer. Due to the physical nature of the job, lifting heavy things throughout your career, some of the physical issues may not arise at the time, but later on in life when the joints, after being beaten down by the work for so long, give up and pain racks the body. Mental difficulties. These people are often going to mass casualties, where there's high stress and high stakes. They're the first responders, trying to attend as many people as possible, usually trying to remove them from danger, and aiding in the treatment of people who have been affected by fires or other disasters. Some of the images they will have seen during these events will stick with them forever. That leads quite well onto the PTSD that can affect so many firemen and firewomen. Fighting fire can be like engaging in a war zone. 
Whereas soldiers fight other humans, firefighters go up against the flames themselves. Finally, I think it should be noted that being a firefighter involves an unstable work-life balance which probably has a knock-on effect onto everything else. Not only are there long hours of unstructured schedules that they have to deal with, but this bleeds over onto family life, relationships, maintaining social connections, and more. Now I just want to clear something up quickly. That list of potential pitfalls to become a firefighter are not guaranteed. If you are a firefighter or are looking to become a future firefighter, these aren't part of the job description. It's not like you'll be looking for your contract and be like, oh, looks like I get 21 days off a year, looks like I get a uh, state pension, fantastic. Oh, and I get a free uh, smoke inhalation in and a bad back as well. That's thrown in all for free. That's not how it works. It's just that when you are surrounded by these sort of environments where you are fighting fires, which is dangerous, then there is the chance, a greater chance than maybe some other lines of work at seeing and experiencing things which have negative impacts. I want to take a look into the story of firefighting through the ages. But one thing that is clear is that humans, since our very beginning, have always battled with fires that become uncontrollable. The first mention of a fire brigade was in the first century BC in Rome, and was created by Marcus Licinius Crassus, where he had a private fire service and took advantage of the fact that Rome had no organised fire brigade and had 500 men under his command who, when fires which regularly erupted in Rome started, at the first sound of cries he'd take all his men there and they'd wait. They wouldn't put out the fire. Crassus would walk up to the property owner, like the businessman he is, and go, Hi, we can put this fire out for you but first you need to agree to sell your land and property to me. Just imagine that. You've got a choice. Either let your buildings burn or sell your properties at a miserable price. A lot of these people didn't have the money to repair these places, so even though it was a terrible deal and they were surely losing money on it, Crassus would get a lot of people to sign over their buildings and their land. And at the signature at the moment where the deed was handed over, click his fingers and his 500 firefighters would spring into action with bucket and water to put out the flames. At this point he would often use his wealth to repair the damage and put them all back together so he could then lease them back out to usually the original owners. In AD 60, Emperor Nero formed a group of firefighters called the Vigiales to combat fires using buckets and pumps. The Vigiales patrolled the streets of Rome to watch for fires and also served as a police force in Rome. In Britain, the first organised firefighting force is believed to have originated during the Roman invasion in AD 43. Even then, fighting fires was often limited to nothing better than buckets of water. And once the Romans left, firefighting took a backward step as communities fell into decline. During the Middle Ages, many towns simply burned due to the lack of firefighters 
and from most of the buildings being constructed of the easily flammable wood. Things started to change at the time of the Great Fire of London in 1666. The standardization of firefighting was set in motion and laid the foundations for organized firefighting as we know it today. After the Great Fire, the first fire insurance company called the Fire Office was established in 1667 by Nicholas Barbon, where small numbers of Thames watermen were used as firefighters. Now other companies like this followed suit and popped up and allowed property owners and individuals to buy insurance policies from these businesses and in return they'd be given badges they could put outside their homes and buildings so if a fire was to break out then the private fire brigade who you had bought a policy with would know to travel to your area they'd see the badge and put out the fire now of course as there were so many different independent insurances for this people would have different badges outside their homes and so oftentimes if fires started the fire brigades would ride up to the building and if the badge for their specific company wasn't on the building then they would often just let it burn drive off and it would be left for the correct insurer's fire service to make their way there before the fire would be put out. Of course, you can imagine this situation led to the very poor who couldn't afford to get insurance, letting their buildings burn, and even the rich who were able to get a policy on a certain building would find their buildings overly damaged because a rival firefighting service would get there first and wouldn't do anything because the fire service they'd bought a policy with was late and may not arrive in time to save the building. Now through the research it's interesting the names and individuals who pop up. Did you know that George Washington and Benjamin Franklin, who would both become presidents of the United States of America, were volunteer firefighters in their early years? And also the first known female firefighter or firewoman, was a lady by the name of Molly Williams, a slave in New York City who took her place with the men on the drag ropes during the blizzard that paralyzed the east coast of the US in 1818 and pulled the fire water pump to the fire through the deep snow. The US did not have government-run fire departments until around the time of the American Civil War. Previously, it used another insurance-based system which was slightly different to the UK system, where private fire brigades would compete to be the quickest to attend a burning building, with insurance payouts going to the service able to extinguish the fire and save the building. Another random fact that blew my mind when I read it during the research was that rum used to be given to firefighters to bolster their courage when facing the flames. This is of course the very flammable rum. And when I read that I thought that must be madness. And the, to people knowing how flammable rum was, 
gave me this amazing image of fire on the outside, the human shell, and then this ticking time bomb of flammable alcohol on the inside. And just the incredible image of that. And I thought it was crazy until I learnt that this was because of the regular recruitment of ex-sailors who were brought into the fire service. And then it made sense, because rum was the preferred drink of the Navy. Before 1938, there was around 1400 and 1500 small fire brigades run by local councils in the UK. And in 1938, it saw the creation of the Auxiliary Fire Service, and then was very quickly superseded again by the creation of the National Fire Service, the NFS. Now, the NFS ensured uniformity in basic equipment and training during the Second World War. And as you may imagine, this was the busiest time ever in the history of the fire service. The fire service, of course, during World War II were critical. The amount of work they would have been given during the Blitz and the bombings of London would have been incredibly high. And they were all over the place. They were on the beaches of the D-Day landings, and also tasked with extinguishing fires caused by soldiers fighting, and to protect the nearby villages from fire, and because there was a war going on. This work was sometimes done under the fire of the enemy. Winston Churchill, the Prime Minister during this time, was a big fan of the firefighters and held them in great esteem, and he had a uh, funny nickname for them. During World War II, he called them the Angels with Grimy Faces. He liked them so much that Churchill himself went with the fire rescue teams when a fire at Blenheim Palace sprung on the roof, and I don't know how useful Churchill was, but he fought the fire with them and extinguished it, saving the palace. After the war, and the Fire Services Act of 1947, the responsibilities of who ran local and county fire brigades changed and saw the formation of municipal bodies to run and further bring the service onwards, ensuring its progression and that it kept up with the times. And more recently, on top of the usual firefighting duties, firefighters have been tasked with engaging communities to spread the word about fire safety, what we all can do to prevent fires, and what to do if one starts. This of course comes alongside grappling with the new techniques and equipment that is continuously being brought out to meet the needs of firefighting in this changing world. Of course in this time, electricity and new technology like that have been introduced and are more widely used which add entire new dimensions to firefighting. And so, it is a profession in constant flux. The mission has always been the same. The way they do their jobs constantly evolves. Thank you for spending time with me again for another toasted tale around the fireside. With everything firemen and women need to do, I believe the fire service's exemplary service medals are thoroughly deserved. And I for one really enjoyed learning more about the profession and its history. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want more relaxing tales by the fireside, 
then you can join me back here again every Tuesday and Thursday. It would be great to have your company there again. I hope you all have a lovely rest of day, and I will speak to you again soon for another Toasted Tale by the Fireside.